Amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Do y'all know that song, I Claim the Blood? Key of G? Maybe. If I don't sing before I preach, I won't be able to sing in the end. So, I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious bloodstains were made there just for me. For all my sin, my sickness, and my pain. When I need healing, I just claim those precious bloodstains. Once again, oh, I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious bloodstains were made there just for me. My sickness and my pain When I need healing I just claim Amen Let's sing that good Let's sing it one more time Oh, I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary Those precious blood stains were made there just for me for all my sins my sickness and my pain when I need healing I just claim those precious blood stains Amen. Are you thankful for that this morning? Amen. If you would turn with me. Amen. I'm a, I'm a one and done on the singing. So I, amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, if, if you would. Just looking forward to being back with you and just appreciate the invitation. And hope, hopefully we can say something that will be a blessing to you this morning. I'd like to preach, if I could, on a subject on the power of prayer. And, you know, I was, <clears throat> me and my wife have been talking a little bit lately, and, you know, I'm more of been focused on, you know, getting our financial affairs in order. And then you kind of look at the world, and you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to get to retirement, you know, and putting all this planning in. And my wife kind of slowed me down. I was like, we really need to be planning on our our spiritual investment, and so we've been trying to work, be better at home with the children, and, and really directing them, and and uh, just a little testimony to church, and some little boy on the way to school, I'm like, well, why don't we start reading the Bible, so we put his Bible in the car, and you know, he wants to read about other things, I was like, well, let's read about David and Goliath, you know, and, and so I was, re- he was reading there, and I think it was in First Samuel chapter 17, I think verse 20, I'm not sure on that, but it's where um, David's about to go to his brothers, and um, he was reading that, and, um, you know, David said, um, when he's leaving the sheep, he left the sheep with a keeper, 
Is that right? And so it was just so strong to me that, that you know, what y'all were going through, that, that God left the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you and direct you. He didn't leave us. He didn't leave us wanting. He didn't leave us in a, uh, a condition where we didn't know what to do because we have a Father that hears our cries. Is that right? So <clears throat> just really spoke to me. I've read that a bunch of times and just never even noticed that, you know, <clears throat> God just lays little nuggets in there for us that when we feel like maybe things have changed, He's always still in control and watching over us. So... If I could this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, and uh, just be the scripture, then we'll bow our heads. It says, <clears throat> I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Amen. And we'll just go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe if you have something on your heart this morning, you can just, just put that before the Lord that he would just come and speak to you this morning. Lord, we just, we just come before you, Lord, with just great expectation, Lord, for what you would have for us in your word. And God, I know, Lord, there's, there's nothing that I could do that, that would benefit anybody. There's nothing that I could say. But, Lord, if you just move me aside, you would be able to come and speak to your children this morning. Lord, I'm not up here by my own righteousness, but it's, it's by your righteousness, Lord, that we're allowed to come before your throne. And, and you've given us the authority as, 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 a, as sons and daughters of God that when we cry or when we ask anything in your name, Lord, that you would give it to us. God, I pray you just bless your people this morning, bless the, bless the word, and Lord, if there be any sick among us, Lord, I pray while the word goes forth, Lord, that healing would go with it, and Lord, that we would leave here a better people. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. You can have your seats this morning. <clears throat> and if you wonder why I cough into the mic so much at home, I preach with a, a handheld, so I'm able to pull it away, so forgive me, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to use it a little better, and so I'd like to preach this morning, <clears throat> if I could, just for a, a few moments, just, just to maybe just to, to further our journey along in the Word. And uh, I'd like to title this, if I could, The Power in Prayer. And many times in life, you know, we, we, we look at what we've got going on, and maybe there's some things that are assets to us that we're not using. Is that right? You know, there's programs at my work that I work for that I didn't even know that we even had, and then I find out we have them, and it's a benefit to me. And so we see that, you know, power, the, the, the ability to pray um, Brother Bram talks about that being the strongest thing that a believer has. And, and in the scripture here, 1 Timothy 2 and 8, it says, When you pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so you look at that word doubting there, and in the Greek, uh, that word, it means, it means doubtful imagination. It means reasoning, or, or it means doubtful in imagination and reasoning and thought. And then you look at that, and I begin to study. You know what what a lot of people is, what a lot of people's problem is is when they're making a decision. And and I looked at this word indecisive, and and this word indecisive, what it means is unsettled, wavering, and hesitating. And and we see that we can't be indecisive about something. And and you you look in your personal life and. And you look at your Christian walk with God and how many times we've been indecisive to move the way the Spirit of the Lord moves us and something passed right by us. Is that right? And, and so we see that as, as Christians and believers, when we, have, when we come to the valley of decision or when we come to a situation in our lives, we have to make a decision. Brother Branham says there's times, I, I, we were listening to it on the way up, Brother Branham was preaching in a time of decision. And in his prayer, he said, you know, sometimes we're forced to make a decision. Sometimes we are, we are led to make a decision and we, and we come to a point where God God says you have to make a decision. And so, you know, I believe with, with believers, you know, there comes a point in our lives we have to make a decision. Are we going to follow Christ or are we going to follow the world? Is that right? We have to come to a point to where we're so in love with Him 
that nothing else matters. We come to a point that we either believe the Bible for every word that God put in it or we don't believe it at all. And I believe as, as believers, once you fall in love with Christ, once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, this word becomes so much more alive to you that it's not just now the word that you were reading, but now it's the Spirit also that giveth life that makes this make sense. Is that right? Now, Brother Branham, he's talking about in that sermon, Time of Decision, we, as I listened this morning, it was just so good. He was talking about Rebecca and Eliezer and how they come, uh, Eliezer had come into the parents and he, you know, he was asking them, you know, I need, we need to leave. And, and, and they couldn't make a decision and they were like, well, how about you come back in a few weeks or let us, let us spend this time with our daughter and, and, and then we'll come back. And Eliezer said, hinder me not, you know, we, we need to go now. And, and you see that the, 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 the parents and the brother, I believe, said, well, we'll let the damsel speak for herself. And Eliezer asked and she said, I will will go. Is that right? And so we see that that whenever we come to a, to a decision in our lives, we have to make that decision and follow through with it. And, and I love how Brother Branham, just throw a little nugget out there, Brother Branham talks about Eliezer coming to that bride and he had his camels loaded down with gifts and blessings and he, he begins to type that to you and I and all the things that God has given us in this day, more revelation. We, you know, we, we, we had a prophet come in this day, Brother Branham, and we had him, had him tie all these loose ends together so we've been given blessings and, and I believe the camels were loaded down for you and I in this day. Is that right? It may be the darkest hour, it may be the hardest hour we have to face, but God has sent us everything we have need of to overcome Laodicea. Do you believe that? Now, we have a choice, you know, um, in, in life, you know, there's a choice that when you do nothing, that's actually a choice. People say, well, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or do nothing. Well, do nothing is a choice. And so if you're sitting there today and you're in the same place you were with God five years ago, you're, you're, you made a decision to do nothing. If you want to go further with God, that's a personal decision. You could have every minister in, every pastor in, do all this, have, have the best song leaders, but until you make the decision to change and move further with God, God cannot do anything for you. Is that right? Now, we cannot remain the same. Sometimes we're forced to make a decision, and, and I don't like to be forced to make a decision. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't like to be rushed into anything. I like to have my time and think about it. And even my wife, when she asked me a question, she's like, did you hear me? I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then sometimes I really didn't hear her with that husband, that husband ear thing that we have. And doctors have been researching it. They still haven't figured it out yet. But, but we've, we've got to make a decision in our life, you know, and a long time ago, just to give you a testimony, and you know, I was in a in a work condition that wasn't really favorable favorable to my family, and you know, I was a, I was a, a a licensed mortician, I was an embalmer and funeral director for about ten years, and and um, you know, so uh, that was weird enough in itself, and then you know, I was working late nights, I was gone all the time, and and you know, um, it was just a, it was just a rough time for her, and and uh, we had. Uh, it was our first year of marriage, and I was leaving to go and bomb just about every night, and or or or, or pick up, and then I was doing um, death scene investigation for the for the coroner's department. It was just a mess, and I, you know, and and it was just it was so much. And we started we adopted our first son, Matney, and and we were like, you know, I've got to make a change. And so I began to write down. I was like. I'm going to get a new job, you know, and I'm a big believer that when you, when you see that written word, it becomes manifest in your life, and <clears throat> thank God a lot of the stuff I wrote down didn't, but if it was meant to be, God, God did allow it to come to pass, and, and so, <clears throat> you know, looking at this, I begin to, I had to make a decision. I could either stay where I was, or I could change for the better, and, and at this point, it wasn't about money. It was about time. Is that right? Because I needed time with my wife, time with my son, and, and so we, we, we begin to pray and think about it, and I just randomly, um, uh, you know, people in our community, it's a pretty small town, so they knew who I was. I'd been in management for a few years and sent this, sent this message to this local person that worked at a, at a bank, and, and the next thing I know, I've got a job interview the next day, and, 
And I'd, I'd written all this down that God was going to give me a new job. I was going to be blessed. And, you know, um, and so we see those things. If, if I would have just sat there in indecision, none of those things would have come to pass. And now five, six years later, you know, I'm, I'm in a great place with the same company. And God has, has just blessed us truly. And just, you know, I, I work about seven minutes from my house. So God has just really blessed us there. But if I'd have stayed in that valley of indecision like I, I was for probably a year or so, just like, well, I want to quit, but I don't know what, what I can do. I want to move on, and so what I can tell you is if you ask God, God will lead you in the right direction. Is that right? If you're in the valley of indecision this morning, I promise you if you choose the side that God is leading to, he'll lead you in the right direction. And You look in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, whenever the children of Israel had finally come over to the promised land, and now Joshua looked at the people, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. He said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we see that Joshua had come to the point... They were physically where they needed to be in God's promise, but spiritually there were people that were wavering. Is that right? They were in the valley of indecision. But Joshua made it very clear that as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And, and many of us have family issues. We have maybe even church issues or we have friendship issues. And, and I think when you make it really clear to your friends that you're going to serve the Lord, it's not really the battle that you thought it was. They're going to respect that you've made a decision to serve God. Now, if you have people that stand up against you and they, and they cry out against you and and they say, well, you know, I don't believe in this, or I'm, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the way you do th these things. You know, I promise you, God will see you through that. Is that right? It, it, the, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. And, and so we see that when God has called us to do something, He will equip us and see us through to the end. And we also see in 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? He said, If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered him, not a word. And so we see it look like they didn't make a decision there, but they made a decision not to serve God in that moment because they chose to stay where they were. And of course, we know the, the, the continuation of the story um, uh, of that and Elijah at Mount Carmel and what all happened. But there's a quote here by, uh, and I can't even pronounce this gentleman's name, but it says, time doesn't wait. Indecision will only let opportunities slip by. Pick a path and walk confidently with your heart behind every step. Now, <clears throat> what I'm speaking on this morning is the power of prayer. And what I'm talking about on indecision right now is if you're going to ask God for something, believe it with all your heart. You know, I've seen many people come to the altar multiple times for the same thing. And I ask them sometimes, I was like, you know, did you, did you lose faith? Did you lose faith from the first time that you asked? You know, Daniel, he had to pray, I believe, 21 days. Is that right? What if he had given up at day 14 or day 20? And, you know, it's hard for us, some of us to even pray for 21 seconds, let alone 21 days. And, you know, when people text me and ask me to pray for something, I always try to do it right then. It may be a five or 10 second prayer. And I know everybody's busy and, and, and it, it seems like it's, it's tough to do that anymore. Is that right? Maybe y'all are different up in Missouri. Y'all have a lot of time. But in Arkansas, we're busy. A lot of redneck stuff to do in Arkansas. But it seems like, you know, you can get busy with things that aren't sinful. Is that right? You know, I love to, uh, you know, if, if I can get busy with anything other than family and, 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 and us hanging out, you know, I love to hunt and fish. I love to be out in the wilderness. And, and so I love those things. And, and you know, <clears throat> it, it's, a, it's something that can distract me from the Word because our main focus needs to be on this. Is that right? 
when you get a church that is solely focused on the Word of God and, 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 and the Holy Ghost has, has filled them and their direction is the rapture, when you're focused on the rapture, then that's a church that can't be moved. That's a church that cannot be shaken. And, and you know, <clears throat> many times I, 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 I preached a sermon one time a long time ago called Preparing for a Rapture. And, and you know, I was looking at my Christian walk and it was like I was, I was coming to church, I was doing all these things, but I really wasn't pre- preparing myself for that rapture. And body, I was in a sense, but I had kind of lost sight that that's where I was going to was that rapture body. If, if, if Lord don't take me before then, then, then I want to go in the rapture. And, and so we see that, <clears throat> that as Christians and believers, we've got to make a decision to follow through with God. Uh, the indecision is caused by one thing, and that's fear. When you're indecisive, you're afraid you're going to make the wrong decision. Is that right? You know, in, <clears throat> in business... Uh, many times, you know, whenever we're, when we're looking at something and, and we, we uh, in my line of work, I have to take certain uh, proposals to a committee and, and you know, um, sometimes they'll table them. I hate tabling. I'm like, just tell me yes or no. I don't, I don't like tabling. If it's, if it's not good enough to make it today, it ain't going to be good enough in a week, right? You know, so we can stand there in indecision and sometimes you'll go back and they will actually approve it. They just need more time to think on it. But most of the time when they table something, there's a reason they've tabled it and it's really hard to get it through. Because there's, there's some indecision there. And so whenever you're, whenever you're looking at the Word of God, and maybe some of you are new to the, uh, new to the, new to the Word of God, new to Christianity and, whole, Christianity and, and its whole, and, and new to the message. And, and I will tell you this, the indecision will not get you anywhere. It's actually probably, if anything, it'll get you further away from God. And, and, and many times in business, back to that, when we table something, it, it almost takes up more time and indecision. You would almost rather make a, a, a decision whether it be good or bad, and then figure it out and then change it from there, then to make, then to just let it sit there for the rest of your life. And, and so I can tell you as, a, as maybe a new person coming in, and I don't know who this is for, you know, if you're questioning God or if you're questioning the world, I can tell you if there's a desire on the inside of your heart to know more of God, there's more of God for you to know. If there's a desire for you to meet God, there's a God that will meet you today. Is that right? If, if you've got a question, well, is there a, is there a way I can live a better life? I promise you this has a better life in it for you. Is that right? You know, many times we look and say, well, you know, I couldn't explain, you know, I was raised in the message of church, raised in, raised in a Christian home, and, and you see that I, I, I wasn't in church just because of that, but there was a calling on the inside of my heart. When I did drift away, when I did go out into the world, there was something that called me back, like the prodigal son. There was a life on the inside that Satan couldn't cover up. Is that right? Now, Brother Branham says in the Absolute in 1962, he said, God's promises are always on condition. He says, you must absolutely, no matter how fundamental you are with the promise, it's God, it's under condition. He said, always. He said, how could we stop here and go through the scripture back and forth for, for hours and, and see that it's on condition and what, what, what it means something? He says, you can just be as fundamental as you want, but it's under conditions by the promise, predestination, and so forth. So what Brother Branham is saying here is God's promises are on condition. And now... <clears throat> We know that if we went through Scripture, we could look at many different things and see that it was on condition. And, and then you look at the unconditional covenant that he made with Abraham, which is a completely different subject. It was where that God was going to allow Abraham to have a son, and there was nothing Abraham could do to mess it up. But when we come to the promises of God that are direct to a believer, God has put some of those on conditions. Is that right? Now, <clears throat> we look here in Mark eleven twenty two, and we're just going to go through this real quick. And, and we see that... Um, and I'll just stop here just for a moment. Our timing doesn't match with God's timing. Is that right? God's timing is, he's on a different clock than you and I are on. We like everything to be fast, you know, and, and we didn't come up last night, so we got up early this morning and drove up and, you know, and, 
and we were coming out of a two lane into a single lane, you know, getting out of the passing zone. There's this little car in front of me, and man, I'm like, you're doing 50 in the single lane, but 70 in two lanes. The math doesn't add up. The speed limit didn't change. And they slow down, and I get jammed in, and so I have to follow them for two miles, and I'm like, fly, you know, I pull, whenever it comes to the next two-lane passing lane, I fly around them, and coming between Thayer and West Plains there, and, and I get into West Plains, I'm like, yeah, I showed them, and I look up in my rearview mirror, and there they are. I had maybe at most, for all that anger, saved a half a second. <clears throat> so we see that we look at life, and that's the way life is a lot of times, Right? We, we blow up or we have this big confusion and we really could have got around it really, really easy. But what is it? It's human nature, right? And so what we have to do is make sure that on the control tower, that Christ nature, that Holy Ghost is leading us to overcome that human nature. Is that right? Now we see that we can get impatient with God's promises. <clears throat> when you ask God anything in his name. I believe that in the scripture. When you ask anything in his name and you go believing, I believe that God will answer that prayer. Now, there's many things that God has not predestined for your life. Is that right? There's many things that you can ask for that we really are thankful that God didn't answer that prayer. Maybe you wanted to, maybe when you were younger, you were praying for this spouse and it just wasn't the one for you and God led you to the right one. And we thank God that that didn't happen and you married the correct one. Now, we see that when we say promises are on condition, I want to read Mark 11 and verse 22 down through 26 and kind of go through this real quick because this really stood out to me what, what one of the conditions of prayer was in the Bible. And, and Jesus answered and saying unto them, Have faith in God. He says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, y'all are kind of getting to know me slowly over, over a little bit of time, and, and you know that I'm, I'm really not afraid to believe in, in the Word of God. Now, I have before asked a mountain to be moved, and guess what? It did not move. You want to know why? I had no need for it to move. Right? I did. I physical mountain. I was like, be thou removed. There was no need for it. I was young. This was 10, 15 years ago, so don't hold it against me. And so later on, I had to learn, well, there was no need for it. Why would you call for something you didn't have a need for, right? But I believe if you had a need for it, I believe if I'd have had a need for it, God would have moved it. <clears throat> and you can laugh at me all you want, but I've had mountains in my way, and God has moved them, right? Amen. So we, when you believe it, <clears throat> don't let anybody else make you feel bad about it, right? One time, I, I worked for the same company. Now, I'm going to tell another story. But I believe that we overcome, the, uh, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, Right? And you know, I, I didn't need, uh, really didn't need a raise, but I asked God for one, and it was a big one. And I wrote it down. And you know, I was like, and I wrote on there the name of the company that were going to give me this such and such raise. And well, then another company come to me and offered me a good job, good position. I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to take it. I think this is God moving. But it wasn't the right amount that I'd wrote down, but it was good enough for me, Right. And so I worked for them. Well, then the same company that I left come back and offer me the exact amount that I had wrote down to come back to them. So we see that when we ask God, and see, I had got out of time, and maybe if I had just waited, I wouldn't have had to switch companies, or maybe God led me that way so they'd bring me back. But when you ask anything in God's name, believe it, that it's going to come to pass. Is that right? So, you know, many people look at me sometimes, they're like, well, you know, I, I believe that we should be humble. We shouldn't ask God for these things. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if, if you're going to ask God for 100, I'm going to ask God for a million. 
I, I am. If he gives me 100, I'm going to be happy. But I'm going to ask big things for God because I believe I've got a big God. Is that right? You've got big problems in your life. You've got a big God that can solve them. Is that right? Now we look on here and he says, in verse 23, he said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith, it shall come to pass, and he shall have so what, whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now that is a direct promise to God's children, right? Jesus is saying this, he's speaking that, that's to you and I as a direct promise. Now in verse 25 he goes on, And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespass. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And so I love that. Immediately after he says, if you ask anything, it'll be given to you, he goes to forgiveness. He says, here's what you got to do first. You've got to forgive. And so we see that this is on condition because if we do not forgive, then our, our, our trespasses will not be forgiven of us. And, and I was talking to a brother just a little bit ago in the back, and we were talking about this, and I, read, I found this quote the other day, and it says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free. And he says, and then you discover that the prisoner was you. Right? When you forgive somebody, you're setting somebody free, but that person you're setting free is you because you're allowing yourself to hold on to something that you don't need to. And I can tell you, if you've got ought in your heart against anybody, if you've got ought even against a coworker or against, against this one or that one, you need to let that go, forgive them, and move on so that your prayers can be answered. Now, I, I truly believe that if we do not forgive here on earth, that according to this scripture, we will not be forgiven our trespasses. I love this as well. It says, when you love your enemy, you show the world what kind of God our God is. I believe that when we love our enemy, we show the world that the, the God we serve is a little bit different than the other minor gods that other people serve. Now, Brother Branham says in Expectation in 61, he says, what man calls great, God calls foolish. He says, and what man calls foolish, God calls great. He said, so what we've got to do is get back into the program of God and find out he said, after all, what God wants us to do. And I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I want to find out, I want to know what God wants me to do. He says, he says and, um, and in the only way I know to do it is prayer. He says, prayer is the key. He said, that's the answer. Prayer changes things. He says, prayer is the most powerful weapon that was ever put in the control of human beings. He said, there's no atomic bomb, no hydrogen bomb as powerful as prayer. Prayer will change the mind of God. And so we see that he goes into this and you know the scripture. He says, did you know that? He said, it did, in, he said, it did do it one time. A prophet was sent up to the king in his chamber and said, go up and tell him, thus saith the Lord, he's not coming off the bed. He's going to die right where he's at. So Isaiah went up and told Hezekiah that and, and he said, I can imagine all the celebrity at the gates, the peasants out there in the outer courts and they went in and said, oh, prophet of God, what will become of our king? He said, thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. Went to the soldier, he said, Oh, great prophet, what does the Lord say about our king? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. And that was right. The Lord told him that. And he said, Goes on down, gets in his little hut somewhere back in the wilderness, and then tells him he will live. Why? Because Hezekiah prayed. Is that right? And changed the mind of God. You look at that, and you begin to look at that story, and it's always been an interesting story to me because it would have been better for his life and testimony if he'd have died right then. But he prayed, and I believe God gave him maybe 15 more years. I may be wrong on that number, but, but you see that you, you look at how powerful prayer is that it even changed the mind of God. Now, you have to understand God's permissive will and God's perfect will, and I'm not going to get off into that today, but you have to understand that God does have a permissive will, and what that means is God will allow you to go through things to get back in line with His perfect will. If we would have followed God from the beginning, 
and God would have led us and we would have fought, let, the, let the Holy Ghost lead us through to the end, we would have stayed in God's perfect will. But you look at the, the prodigal son, I, I don't believe it was God's will for him to go off into the pig pen and do those things, but if he'd have stayed right with his father, he would have still been a son. Is that right? Now James 5 and 13, he says, If any among you is afflicted, let him pray. He said, Is any merry, let him sing psalms. He said, Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. He said, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He said, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. And so I love this in this scripture, that it seems like the scriptures continue to line up. If you have ought against somebody, or you have something in your life that you need to get rid of, once you do that, you can pray, and it will, it will go to God. Is that right? You know, he didn't say to dance, shout, talk to the pastor, go to the therapist. He said, pray and don't doubt. Is that right? Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but I believe, you know, many times um, I've heard uh, stories and I've I've had people come to me with questions and situations, and I always try to direct them to their pastor or a pastor, and because I'm not, you know, that's not my position to answer those questions, but, you know, the one thing I say, you know, to them is, you know, have you prayed about it? And many times it's like, well, no. Well, that's where you should start. I can give you that word of advice. Go in prayer about it, right? We do everything else in the world before we go to prayer, and I'm even guilty about it myself. You know, many times I'll, I'll get something happen in my life, and I'll just start trying to figure it out myself before I actually go to the Lord in prayer. And, and so we see that, that when we ask anything in His name, we have to also have the faith that God will do it. Is that right? Now, Brother Branham says in faith, he's speaking here in 1956, he says, we're just looking forward to a great time uh, in the Lord. And with, your, and, and with your prayers, I'm sure that we'll do the best we can for the glory of God. He said, prayer changes things. He said, it changes death to life. It changes sickness to health. It changes sinners to saints. He said, it's, it's prayer. He said, you may laugh too much. You may shout too much. You may eat too much, but you'll never pray too much. He said, the Bible said, I would that man pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, so you'll never be able to pray too much. And, you know, it used to be when I was younger, I remember still when I was younger, you know, prayer meeting and, 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 and going to those things and how powerful some of those services was, even as a young man, just remembering those. And, and it, it seems like, you know, my wife, she was being convicted. Maybe we weren't, you know, doing that enough in our home with our children and trying to lead them in the way that they should go right and, and kind of getting, you know, even me back in line with our prayer because we get so busy, caught up with things, and we even get busy with church and church things. And, and we can almost forget our prayer life because so much going on with the church and, and you know, as, as we as we do these things and and you know you got to start at home you know is that right you've got to start on your own personal experience before you can you can fix everybody else in the church you know I've heard many people say well well I want to be on fire for God I want my church to be different well you got to change first right you know if you if you want to start a fire you got to spark something right Right? I, be- I believe that, if you, that a young person, that, that an old person, that a middle-aged person, anybody can set a church on fire if they believe and they live in the Holy Ghost. Is that right? I believe that God can do amazing things through people that, that maybe we wouldn't expect things to happen through. And, and I'll, I'll give you another testimony real quick. When I was younger, I, uh, I always wanted to play the drums, and I was just terrible at it. I couldn't keep a beat to save my life. And there was a man in our church that played the guitar. His name was Donnie Poteet, and he's, he's passed away now. And, and we were up there 
there one night having a musician's practice, and I was just there because mom was my ride, and I had nothing else to do, and she didn't trust me to stay at home, so I was like, well, well I'll go with you, and, and so, uh, so I go with her, and, and, um, and they're like, well, Brother Donnie's like, well, why don't you play the drums, and, and man, it was just, it was bad. It, the beat wasn't on, the rhythm wasn't there, and it was just bad, and well, that was a Saturday night, and Brother Donnie prayed for me pretty much that whole night, and um, he come to church Sunday, and um, he's like, told my mom, he's like, I want Alan to play the drums, and she's like, no, it's terrible. It'll ruin the service. It'll, you know, it'll throw off the spirit and everything. And, and I promise you, I didn't feel any difference, right? Didn't feel any difference. But from that time on, I've, I'm not a good drummer, but I can play the drums and keep a rhythm and beat. And through his prayer, I was allowed to play the drums. And so you say that's kind of crazy, but it's a true, 100% true story. And so we see that when you ask anything in God's name and you believe it, and it's the will of God, it'll happen. And you say, well, Alan, you're just making these things up. I promise you not. You can ask my mother. You can ask the people in the church. I was terrible, and now I'm mediocre, but we can get through it. Amen. But it was an instant change from Saturday night to Sunday morning that God gave me the ability to do those things. And it was all because a man prayed, right? And you look at your life, and you say, well, my children are doing this. I can tell you the first place you need to go, and that's in prayer. Right? You know, I, I uh, uh, try to pray. I, I usually lay down my little girl. Jen lays down the boys, and I lay down my little girl, and I try to pray with her. Just, it's just a, a, minute, a minute little prayer, but, you know, already praying over her life for God to save her soul and fill her with the Holy Ghost. That, if, if we can get that done as parents, I believe we have, we have led them in the way they should go, and that's the way God is, is wanting us to do. And, and so we see that when we pray for these things, we've got to believe that God's going to bring them to pass. Now, if my children go wayward or they go this way or they go that way, I have to stand in that faith to believe that God will bring them back. Is that right? I believe the scripture says the Lord, you know, that, that promise is to you and your children and as many as our, the Lord our God shall call. So don't give up just because you see things going the wrong way. Stand fast in your prayer and believe that what you ask God, he will be able to give it to you. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 and I know I'm going a little fast. I'll try to slow down a little bit. And these kind of things excite me because it's like work giving me a credit card and saying, just use it for whatever you want. And God come down and gave us a credit card and said, use it for whatever you want. I'll pay the bill. Amen. And so I get excited when I get in these things and I see that, that so many people live below their privileges, right? I, and, and I'm not talking about in the financial, but I'm talking about in the spiritual. And some people just, they live below their means, even in their, even in their spirit and, and in their mind. They think, well, I'm not good enough. And they just beat themselves up all the time. And I want to tell you, it's not your righteousness is going to get you anywhere. It's by the righteousness of God that any of us will be able to make it into, into those gates. Amen. So whenever you look, don't look at yourself, but look at Him. Amen. First Thessalonians 5 and 16, and that just got me more excited, and I got going faster. So, Do you love the Lord this morning? I believe we should be happy to be in the house of the Lord. And First Thessalonians 5 and 16, it says, Rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. I love that scripture because um, anybody I believe who's ever been, you know, I, I know once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't leave because you're sealed into the day of your redemption. But I believe when you prove this word, when you prove this message, you'll hold fast to that which is good because you'll see that there's nothing else can produce a life like this. You can go to the Baptist church, the Methodist church, you can go to the Catholic church, but nothing in the world will produce a life like this word and this message will produce. Now, it says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. It says, abstain from the all presence of evil. 
And the very God of peace shall sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that. The God of peace will sanctify you wholly. And that's why I wanted to sing that song this morning, I Claim the Blood, because it was forgiveness of all of our sins, not part of our sins, but all of our sins. When God sanctifies you, He doesn't just sanctify part of you, He sanctifies all of you. It says, faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. And so, you know, when our faith fails, God's faith remains. Is that right? And it says at the end, brethren, pray for us. Now, Brother Bram speaking here, and it says, And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And uh, this is in 1961. And I hope this is okay. I know it's probably a little more Sunday school oriented, but I hope it's a blessing to you. And, and Brother Bram says, Now I'd imagine when a trial come up, what's the first thing a child of God has for refuge when a trial comes? He said, The greatest weapon that was ever put in the hands of mankind is prayer. He said, it even changes everything. It even changed the mind of God one time. And he goes back through this. God told his prophet to go up and tell the king he was going to die. And, he, and the king turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, I beseech you to consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart. I need 15 years longer. And God spared his life 15 years longer. He said, see, prayer changes things. He said, then we noticed the Hebrew children come to a prayer meeting that night. He said, what are we going to do? He said, there had to be a gathering and a decision had to be made. And no doubt they had prayed all night long and, and the decision was unanimous because they were deciding they could not afford to go back on God in the time of trial. And how many times have we seen that? That people can make it through the easy times, but when a trial comes up, they want to go back. I can tell you when, when a trial comes up and people begin to leave, they may have not had what they said they had the whole time. You see people, I, I love to look at, you know, just the, uh, the people that have, that have weathered the storm, those that, have, that, those that have stood the test of times, they've been through trials and tribulations, and maybe they're not ministers, maybe they're not song leaders, but I love to just see someone who's come to church for years and they've stood with God, and, and no matter what's come through the church or what's gone this way or that way, but they've always stood with God. To me, that's one of the most powerful testimonies that you can have is when you stand with the Word. He said, wouldn't that be good for the whole church now? He says, when the decision is made, shall I turn to the things of the world? Shall I go like, like the rest of them go? That's a decision that comes to every Christian. It comes to you daily. How are we going to do it? You've got to make a decision. And we see that it seems as the end time, we see more falling away from the Word of God. Is that right? We see people falling away from the message of the hour. And so we're given a decision daily almost. What are we going to do? And you may not, maybe you're not given this decision, but I guarantee the enemy, if he's going to put anything in your mind, it's about what you believe in and, and are you going to go away or what are you going to do? And you cannot be indecisive about that. You have to make a decision to follow through with Christ. Now, Luke verse 21 and verse 33, And heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that the day come upon you in unawares. And I, I really want to focus on that, the cares of this life. And so many times I believe there's things that aren't sinful that we do that just over, that consume our lives. Is that right? That we see, you know, um, many times me and my wife, we had been talking and, and we were raising children and stuff. And, and, and babies don't ever bother me. My kids scream 24-7, so you're welcome to stay. It's not going to affect me in any way. You know, it's funny, you know, me and Jen used to go out before we had kids, and we'd see parents with kids in booths, and they would be screaming. It's almost like we couldn't enjoy our meal. Now my kid can dump a drink on me, and I can just keep eating, you know, because it's what you get used to, right? And so I didn't mean to embarrass her, because I know kids are very difficult in church, and 
you know, my wife the other day when we left here, she's like, man, that was really good, but I haven't been in a service that I haven't had kids in in months. And so I was like, so it really wasn't that good. It's just because you didn't have kids. And it's like, that's not what I meant. I was like, well, that's what you said. And then the other day we, we come up and we saw Brother Jerry and I forgot a dress shirt. And we go to the mall and we get one and we're back in the hotel room and she goes, oh no. And I was like, what? She goes, it says slim. <laughs> it's like, I can still wear slim. <laughs> God has a way of humbling us, right? And you know, and, and it's something that, you know, that we allow these things and me and my wife were talking to get back on and on, on the topic that I was going with and we're like, we're going we're gonna to focus our lives on our children. That's, you know, we're going to raise the children right. And, and we begin to study that. And, and really, a marriage that's focused on the children is typically on track for doom. Because you have to treat your children how to treat your husband and wife. You have to show your children how a wife ought to be treated. And the wife ought to show her children how a husband ought to be treated. And so when we begin to pull that back together, and we weren't doing anything wrong. We, were, I mean, we never got mad at each other. We were just focusing on the kids. We weren't taking time for ourselves or, or, or doing anything like that. And, and so we begin to realize that, you know, your marriage, even after you have children and whoever this is for, you need to take time for your marriage. Is that right? Because if your marriage falls away, the children don't have any direction to go in. Is that right? So whoever that's for, get a babysitter and take a break. Amen. So we see, but we can get caught up in those things, and it, we were trying to do a good thing, but we were doing the wrong thing. Is that right? And, and God brought that back in and, and corrected it, and we begin to, to realize, you know, we really didn't do anything different. We still lived our lives like we were living them because I didn't treat her any different, and she didn't treat me any different. But the focus had changed a little bit to where we weren't just doing whatever our kids wanted to do, but it was about the family order. It starts with the husband, the wife, and then it goes on down to the children. That's the way that God has set it up. Now, I am a big believer that we should never, if you treat your wife like a doormat, I can promise you, you don't have the spirit of the Lord. I'll just go ahead and say that plain and simple. If you treat your wife like a doormat, you don't have the spirit of the Lord because when, our, when Jesus come and whenever he, whenever he was getting his bride or, or saving all of mankind, as we would say at the redemption story, he laid down his life so that she might live, so that we might live. Is that right? So if you treat your wife like a doormat, you've got the wrong spirit altogether. Now I'm going to get back on topic before I get in trouble, but Luke 21 and verse 33, and it says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. It says, and take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. <clears throat> Watch until you therefore and pray always and you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, I was studying one time on the, the Jewish people um, during before the concentration camps and before the world war there. And, and it was so amazing to me, some of the, you know, because I was looking at them and they, they had such great numbers. And, and so studying that, you, the question was presented as, why did y'all allow these things to happen? <clears throat> And I remember I read one of the commentaries there, one of the Jewish people uh, or a, a panel of Jewish people answered and said, you know, they, they did it little by little. It wasn't one day that we come in and we were in the concentration camps, but it was one day we were doing this. The next day we had a golden star on our vest. The next day we had to do this. The next day we had this. And then at the end, we were on our way to the concentration camp. And I promise you, that's the way the devil works. He'll take a little bit here. He'll take a little bit there. And the next thing you know, you're living a life of sin completely, you're just completely destroyed and don't know which way to go. So I promise you, if you'll guard the little things, guard the gate, is that right? I believe Brother Branham puts it this way. He says, sometimes we let down the gates and the goats get in with the sheep. 
I believe we ought to be a guard of the gate and protect those little things that come into our life because that is going to have a bigger ripple effect on our Christian walk. And, and so we see that, for instance, and, and it says, for instance, many times there are people who come in the line and I pray for them and I said, I never know what's going to happen. I just pray for them. And he said, and there's a power in prayer. He said, prayer will even change the word of God. He said, that's a striker, wasn't it? But it's the truth. The word of the Lord, he said, would you not believe the prophets? And so we see that, the, this, that Brother Branham being the prophet, the seven-day messenger comes here and he says, you know, sometimes I don't even know what to pray, but I just pray for them and there's power in prayer. Now, 1 Peter 3 and 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open under their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So that really strengthens my heart there to know that his ears are open unto our prayers. Now, Brother Branham says in 1959, he says, what was the Holy Ghost given for? <clears throat> he says, the Holy Ghost come to give you power. He said, I've got some scriptures here in just a minute. The Holy Ghost come to give you power. He said, you can't find this. He said, I'm, I, he said, I'm just too much of a way tonight. He said, but give you power, power in prayer. He said, you take a person that's lived a good life, but they're always defeated. He said, oh, I'll tell you, a good person, oh, sure, love the Lord, Brother Branham, always defeated and never get a prayer answered. He said, you fill that little woman with the Holy Ghost one time and said, watch what takes place. When she goes before God, she's not defeated. She comes boldly to the throne of God believing. He says, she has a right because she's a daughter of God by birth. He said, take a little man that's cowardly, the boss, kick him all over the place and say, wait a minute here now, something changed. See, he got the Holy Ghost. He gives you power. Your life is full of power. And I love how Brother Branham so simply in his Kentucky way takes it and types it to the spiritual and then the natural. Is that right? He shows the little lady coming before the throne of God and then he takes it right to a man and says he's got power at work now. So I believe God works in the spiritual and in the natural. And then when he gives us the Holy Ghost, we don't only have to use that for spiritual things, but God can make your physical life better. And I'm a firm believer in that. That if you need healing, you ask God and watch him perform a miracle. Hebrews 4 and 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so I don't believe that we should go to God demanding. I'm definitely, I don't think we should demand anything of God. I believe that we should ask and expect to receive it. And I believe that when you come boldly before something, you're not demanding something when you go to the throne of God, but you're asking something and your spirit is so sure that God's going to give it to you that you'll find that grace. And that's what I believe that coming boldly to the throne is because God is not our little errand boy to do whatever we have need of. I don't believe that when we pray, we shouldn't just ask God to do this and take care of this and take care of this and take care of that and, and, and just act like he's our errand boy. We, we, we should go to God with a fervency and, and, and when we ask anything in his name, believe that he's going to give it to us. Now, let me see here. I'm getting kind of ahead of myself before I finish up here. And, and Rebecca was to be the mother of this promise. And this is Brother Branham speaking and possessing the enemy's gates in 1959. And Rebecca, which was to be the mother of this noted promised waited son when she was called to the final test of a strange man she had never seen before. She only seen the working of the Holy Spirit. And then when her parents could not fully decide whether she would go with the stranger or not to be the wife of this man she had never seen, she was brought to the final test. 
We'll get the damsel and let her speak. We'll hear from her mouth whether she will go, yes or no. Now that's the way it's brought to all the seed of God. It's got to be your mouth. God wants to hear from you. So when she was put to the test, she never hesitated a minute. She said, I will go. I like that. Not let me make up my mind, let me study it over. She was fully persuaded that that, that's what the people of God can use. When you're fully persuaded and God will keep His promise, she said, I'll go. And so we see that each of you and I are given a decision. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't make it on my mama's coattail. You can't make it on your parents' coattail. You can't make it on your pastor's coattail, the ministry's coattail. You've got to make the decision on your own. Is that right? Every young person, oh, how I wish that, that I, could, I could save my children, but I can't. They've got to make that personal decision in their own minds. And just like you and I had to make our own personal decision to serve him. Luke 11 and 9, I'm going to kind of wrap this up and close it up just here just in a few moments. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And so I love that scripture, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And, and I love that quote. I don't know who said it, and I, I don't have it written down, but it says, if you don't ask, the answer's always no. Amen. Right? If you don't ask, the answer's always no. Now, Brother Bram says, in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God making intercessions upon your confession. And I've read this so many times, and it just kind of really spoke out to me the other day. God is making intercessions Upon your confession. So what's your confession? That's what God is intercessing on. That's what God is, 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 is listening to. That's what, that's what our great uh, high priest is listening to is on your confession. And to me it was always that, that God was taking care of me and doing this. But he's doing it based on my confession. He said, why brother, kick them crutches away and throw away the old stomach trouble. Go out and eat your supper. He said, and get well. He said, amen, believe him. You've got the greatest weapon in the world in your hands and that's prayer. And you know, the, 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 the two ladies that, that live side by side, and Brother Branham gives their testimony, I believe one had throat cancer and one had a stomach trouble, and they had prayed, um, I think a few weeks had went by since they'd been in Brother Branham's meetings, and they were praying, and, and, and Brother Branham talks about the Spirit of the Lord coming by that way, I believe, the angel of the Lord going by that street, and, and you know, that was, few, that was weeks later before they were actually healed, but they did not give up on their testimony that they were healed. And so we see that God come by a few weeks later and healed them. And, and we see that that, 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 that fervent uh, prayer of a, of a righteous man availeth much. And so we see that when we ask God anything, if we begin to doubt it, he's intercessing on that confession. Right? If you begin to doubt it, that, that's what he's hearing from you. Your confession is gone at that point. Now, we look here and you see many times how God has done things through prayer. And, and I look back at my own life and there's just too many testimonies to list at what God has done through my life through prayer. And, and I believe that when we pray and we ask God anything in His name, He will give it to us. And now, I'm not getting into any big revelation today, so pretty much I just want you to know you have the greatest weapon that God can give to us, and that's prayer. But it is on conditions, as we said at the beginning of the service, You've got to live the life and you've got to have the faith to back it up. We know our God's big enough to do it, but are you big enough or servant enough to believe that He can do it? Now, Brother Bram says, Now it's my lot by the grace of God and the courtesy to welcome uh, of you people to preach you the Lord Jesus. He said, Him crucified and to pray for the sick children of God. He said, As I said uh, on the monument steps last night, I did not come to take the doctor's place, but I come to pray for God's children. 
He said, the doctors, patients, and, and my friends, and he said, I believe that prayer changes things. He said, I've seen death drove back by prayer and life take its place. And he said, if you're eyewitnesses of these things, he said, and, and know what you're talking about, I tell you, it'll make you appreciate prayer. He said, I don't have anything within myself to heal people. He said, I get a lot of criticism saying, said someone the other day, said, Brother Branham, there are ministers all say cast out devils, and you're always asking Jesus to do it. He said, Jesus said, ask the Father anything in my name, and I'll do it. He said, I like that. He said, I can't do it, but if I can, if I can I'll ask him. He said, that's my duty. It's our duties to believe this. So I love that. Brother Branham said, it's not my position to cast out devils, not my position to heal the sick, but if I ask anything in his name and believe it, God will do it. Amen? Psalm 55 and 16, I'll just be closed in the next few minutes. He says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. Now, Brother Bram says, And believe God. He said, I know that some of us have more faith than others. And those who have an abundance of faith are supposed to pray for those. He said, if you don't live the right kind of life, you better leave away from it. The devil will laugh at your prayer. But when you live right, do right, act right, and have faith in God, Satan will tremble when you speak. Because God swore under obligation he'd take care of that prayer. That's true. So I believe that God can answer anything by faith. But Brother Branham is saying here, he said, when you live right, act right, do right, and have faith in God, Satan will tremble when you speak. So, you know, I believe I said it last time I was here. You know, Brother Branham said, you know, the devil's not hard of hearing. You know, you can shout as loud as you want to, but he, he recognizes faith. Is that right? You can get up and scream and, and do this and do that, but God and Satan both recognize the life that's on the inside of the person. What you are when you leave church, that's what God recognizes. Now, Psalm, I'm just going to finish up with the scripture before I close. And Psalms 1 and verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, I want to talk about that just for a moment. And, and so, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, I want you to know something here real quick. And if you're receiving counsel from somebody that's not filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're asking about your spiritual life, that's not going to end well. Right? If you're coming to a, a place in your life where you're, you're taking advice from people who maybe don't even believe the word, don't even believe the message, I can tell you that's not going to end very well. You've got to walk in the counsel of the godly, not the ungodly. And so we see that when you find somebody, you know, you find a, 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 a really strong lay member, a deacon, a, a pastor, a, a this or that, you find that. You want to counsel with people who have stood the test of time. Is that right? You know, I believe there's a, there's a saying, you, did, you don't take a financial advice from someone who's broke. Is that right? We don't go up to the homeless man on the street and say, what should I do with my 401k? That doesn't make sense. And then you see people who go up to, to people who don't even believe this message. Well, what do you think about this? We cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And we cannot stand in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, when you sit in the seat of the scornful, you're sitting there 
judging people. Is that right? That's what the seed of the scornful is, is it's casting judgment upon other people. And when you begin to see people who get in the seat of the scornful, they almost become the standard. Is that right? I can go ahead and tell you, there's no one in this message that is my standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. Is that right? I was called to live like Him. I was called to live so close to Him that one day I take a body change. Amen. I believe that we ought to live so close to Christ that, that really whenever we change, the, really the only thing that should change is our physical body. I believe we should get to a point in our Christian walk that the only thing that should change is our physical body because we're so close to Christ as it is in this walk. He says, but his, he's, and he goes on to the next verse, but his delight in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now I can tell you what you meditate in will reflect itself in your life. You can tell when people are reflecting in the things of the world or you can tell when people are reflecting in the Word of God. When you have people that are, that are in the Word of God, you can see that they live a, they live a different kind of life and they, they, they walk with a different testimony and you see God can use them and do things. But when you're meditating in things that are not of Christ, and, and I'm talking about sinful things, not things that are just, just common everyday things such as work and that, but when you focus and meditate on things that are not of Christ, your life will show that. As, as a minister, if I, if I don't study, when, when I can have more time to study, when I can have more time to get in that word, it makes preaching easier. It makes, it makes talking to people and, and witnessing and testifying to people just that much easier. And it's hard with a job. It is. It's hard with a job. It's hard with a family. I, I know your struggles, how it is. It's really hard to get into that word. But if we can rededicate our lives and focus on this, God can do great things in our lives. Do you believe that? Now, if we meditate in it day and night, God will bless it. He said, He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth its fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so we believe that. Do you believe that this morning, that if you're following the word of God, whatever you're doing, God will make it prosper? Now, I'm not the Joel Olstein guy. I know it may seem sometimes that I really want people to be happy and, you know, financially blessed or spiritually blessed. And I know I don't smile as good as he does, but I believe there's things that we go through that, that we can have a, a, I believe there's a, you know, your action and reaction, right? And as a parent, we usually see the reaction. And that's usually what the world sees in us. We have something happen to us. That's the action. And then it's how you react to that is how people will know you. I believe the scripture says, by, by their fruits you'll know them. Is that right? You know, you see people who instantly get upset and want to cause division in the church. You know, that's their fruits. You see people that want to pull together, stand together, follow Christ. That's their fruits. And so we see that when we do these things, that God, there's a, our, our life keeps an accurate count whether we want it to or not. Your life keeps an accurate count whether you want to or not. Now, I could, I could give, you know, I did it one time. I took two jars of dirt and I put a seed in one. And I called a, a young man up from the audience and, and I said, pick, pick the one with a seed in it. And he got it wrong. You know, obviously, if I ask any of you to do the same thing, you know, you'd probably get it wrong too because you can't see on the inside. And as Christians, many times we want to pick we want to say, well, this one looks right, this one looks right, this one looks right, but it's by your fruits that you're going to know them. And we're not, you know, by that, we're not allowed to go out and say, well, I like the way this one does, I like the way this one does, so it's got to be them, it's got to be them. God will call and bring in who He has predestinated and foreordained. Is that right? And as the musicians come back, I'll just bring this to a close. And what I'm trying to get to is when you pray and ask God for something, don't ask him if you're not going to believe it. Because if you're going to doubt it immediately, there's no point in asking. 
If you, if you ask anything in His name, believe that God will bring it to pass and watch it come to pass. Watch it unfold in your life. And you know, there's things that, that I've come up against. There's things that I've prayed for that still have not come to pass, but I'm holding on to that. Right? And if it's not God's will, I'm fine with that. I, I, will, I trust the Lord. So if it's not God's will, that's, that's the way it's going to be, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm still going to go on with God. If I don't get my prayer answered, it doesn't mean I get my feelings hurt. I wish it would have happened this way, but I trust God to know that He's got a bigger plan. Is that right? Amen. Do you love the Lord this evening or this morning? I haven't preached long enough to go into the evening yet, so thank the Lord. But, but I do want you to know as, as believers, it seems like in my life it's been difficult to pray. And this is what God laid on my heart, and, and uh, I was actually studying something else and just kept getting pulled back to this because it was something that I was having a hard time with. You know, it was like work was doing this, family was doing this, life was doing this, and, and I forgot that I had a weapon that I could go to and I could use on the enemy. Is that right? So I just want to remind you this morning, as, as believers of like precious faith, you have a circumstance, you have a valley of decision before you. Go to God in prayer. Ask Him. Let Him lead and guide you to the correct and chosen way. Amen? Amen. Let's just bow our heads if we could. Maybe if they just play something softly as we pray before we go. Maybe if you have a need this morning, you just, just kind of present that before the Lord. And, and as we pray, you just, just ask God to lead and guide you. Lord, we just come before you this morning. Lord, I know it was a little chopped up and just a little bit different. And, but God, I pray it would, it would be a blessing to somebody. Maybe there's somebody here dealing with something in their life and they've went, went to everyone and they just don't know what to do. But God, I pray this morning they'll turn to you. God, I pray this morning that they'll, they'll focus on, on asking you and following the leadership of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would just, Lord, even, even lead me. Lord, help me to, to pray as often as I can and, and follow you as often as I can, Lord, to, to go that extra mile, not to, in this end time, to be so distracted by the things of the world and the things of life and even the things of church, but God, that I would focus my life back in on you, Lord, and get back into prayer as often as I can. God, I pray for these people, Lord. You would bless them, Lord, and allow them just to, to seek you and call upon your name, Lord. I pray you would give them the faith Lord, to believe that when they ask anything in your name, Lord, that it will be given to them. God, if there be any sick among us, Lord, we just, we just ask, Lord, we petition before the throne, God, that you would just send healing power to them right now. Lord, and that they would have faith to believe, Lord, that, that that healing is available for them. Lord, that they have the authority as a son and daughter of God to call and ask anything in your name and it shall be given. Lord, we pray as we leave here today, Lord, we have, many of us have family members that, Lord, we've been in prayer for. Lord, we want to see them saved. We want to see them brought into the house of God. Lord, we give a special prayer this morning to those that they're maybe praying for a son or daughter or a spouse or a family friend. God, Lord, that we would see the answer to those prayers. Lord, not because we're good, not because we're worth it, but Lord, because you are good. God, I pray for the church, pray for the people, the, the officers. God, I pray you just bless them, lead and guide them through the Holy Ghost. God, we thank you for allowing us just to join here together today and just worship around your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.
Precious blood stains were made there just for me. For all my sin, my sickness and my pain, when I need healing, I claim. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and sing it to Him. Stains. Oh, I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were made there just for me. For all my sins, my sickness and my pain, when I need healing, I claim those precious, one more time with all our hearts, oh, I 